Before I begin, I just want to give a beracha to the Gindis, a very important beracha. We know it says in the Navi, at the end of times, before Mashiach, in the times that we live today, is going to be a very, very difficult time, spiritually speaking. And there's going to be a lot of distractions, a lot of philosophies that are not fitting with the Torah way. And it says in the Navi, as nidberu yere Elohim. At that time, there's going to be a group of God-fearing people who are going to come together to strengthen themselves to serve Hashem in those difficult times. So this that we're sitting here right now is one of those as nidberu yere Elohim situations. Because we all know that the challenges of today's generation that stands between us and doing the proper hinuch of our kids and raising our kids in the proper way according to the Mesorah and the way of the Torah, there is a tremendous amount of challenges and we're all here sitting together trying to learn how to do this correctly in order to serve Hashem properly and to preserve the Mesorah and to make sure that we as a Jewish nation should stay strong until the Mashiach comes. So we're in that situation that the Ravi is talking about. And the Ravi says that when this gathering takes place, Vayakshev Hashem. HaKadosh Baruch Hu comes down from Shemaim and he comes to hear what's being said in this gathering. I mean, obviously Hashem could hear from upstairs, but what it means is that Hashem, so to speak, is showing us that He is very happy with this and is joining us. And it says in the Navi that Hashem writes it down in a special book. He records all that's being spoken. He records all the people that were involved. So what's happening right now is the Shekhinah is present in this home. And of course, the biggest beracha in the world for any human being is to have HaKadosh Baruch Hu visit their home. So my blessing to the Gindis is that the house should always be a house that's used to make gatherings such like this, to promote Torah, to be mehazek Torah, and to help people grow. And then the Shekhinah should always be in your home. Amen. Secondly, I'd like to say uh, a personal thank you to all those that are participating in these classes and those that encouraged me or I could say twisted my arm behind my back to, to, to come and do this class again. And I'll tell you why. Because like every area of Avodat Hashem, especially Chinuch, Shalom Bayis, these type of things, are things that we need to constantly review, delve into deeper, get it, get, you know, have it on your mind. Otherwise it slips into the back of your mind and you forget it. So by having to arrange my thoughts and to make a presentation and to give it over with clarity, it affects me in my personal life as well. It helps me be a better father, a better rabbi, a better teacher. So I want to thank everybody for that. Let us begin today. I'm going to tell you what I plan on doing. It doesn't always work out as planned, but this is what the plan is. The plan is I want to take a scenario that happens in everybody's homes constantly, 
maybe daily, but it's something that's a very, very common scenario that happens. And we're going to use that scenario to show us how our gut instinct, how we normally do it, how we react in a normal way. And then we'll show you the chinuch way. And like this, we can appreciate what needs to be done as opposed to what is being done. It's a simple scenario. It happens all the time. And it's a way of practicing chinuch. And I want to explain the significance of that. Because I know maybe a lot of people felt that we will come into this class and I'll give you 10, 15, 20, uh, you know, scenarios and tell you what to do. And I'm not going to do that because for a, mo- for a few reasons, okay? I'll just explain to you that. The main thing in Chinuch is not that someone should give you a manual and tell you how to behave in every single scenario. It's not what Chinuch is. You need to understand the concepts and learn how to apply them as they come into your life. So we want to teach you more a mahalacha machshava, it's called, a way of thinking. We want to program you to think a different way than you used to think, to react a different way than you used to react. You're changing yourself. That's what chinuch is. So being that that's the case, what we're trying to do is Take a, one scenario, because we have to practice. You understand, when you're getting a new habit, you have, it's a new habit. Chinuch is a new habit. And that's a very, very important yesod. You have to get that clear. I remember once reading in the book of Rabbi Miller, he has a book on Hovot HaLevavot on Bitachon. Beautiful book, unbelievable book. And I believe that he writes over there, I saw this many, many years ago, he says it's not enough to go study the Chovot HaLevavot, learn what Bitachon is and what the principles of Bitachon are. That's the easy part. You can learn all about Bitachon. That's very easy. But your instincts are not Bitachon instincts. The way you approach things are not Bitachon. When something's happening, your whole instincts take over and you start to worry. That's it. That's how you approach things. You approach things very, very differently. So the point of learning bitachon is really to learn how to change the way you think, the way you perceive, the way you react, the way you approach. It's changing a person. You're creating new habits within yourself. So anytime a person tries to get new habits, it's a process that's a slow process that takes time that requires a certain amount of practice to do that. I remember the first time I was teaching Bitachon years back when I was by Rabbi Diamonds, and I had a class, and I was teaching the kids Bitachon. And one of the guys said, so how do we do this Lamaisa? You know, like, what's what, what do we do? So I told him, you take the smallest test that you could think of. Okay, let's say, for example, you're walking without shoes, just your socks, and you stub your toe on a chair. So what's normal reaction to such a thing? Usually people get angry at the chair for some reason, which is still unclear to me, but that's how it is. So you get angry at that chair, and maybe you kick the chair or something like that, right? Now that's a small test. It's, it's upsetting. It's a, you're, 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 you know, it's not good. And at that moment, you think about two chazals. One chazal says that a person does not stub their toe, Unless HaKadosh Baruch Hu said that they should stop their toe. That's number one. The second thing is, 
that anything that Hashem decrees is for your good. That's it. Two chazals. Anybody who stubs their toe or their finger from down here, it was nigzal lemala. Second thing, so what you did was you practiced bitachon on a small, small test. And that starts to become part of your way of thinking. And after a while, you can practice it on something a little bit more difficult. So getting habits is about practice. And it's about doing small things which ultimately change the way you do things. So that means, in other words, what I'm saying here is that if we as parents want to have, be better mechanchim, you know, do better chinuch, we have to have patience. Because it's going to take time because it's not just the principles. I can teach you the principles in two hours, three hours, give you all the principles. And then that's very nice and you'll be excited and you'll want to, you'll want to come home and just have that best house and be the best mother in the world and it's not going to happen. Because all of a sudden your kids are going to start screaming or something and they're going to throw things all over the place and then the old you is just going to come right out. So we're back to square one. And everything you learned, you forgot. And there were so many points that you have to run quickly to your notebook and look them up. And by that time, it's too late. So that's not the idea. We have to learn how to practice it slowly and be patient to get a new way of thinking. Okay? The second thing which you have to know before you go into the world of Chinuch is the results that you want to see with your kids is going to take time. You have to be a patient person to be able to see the results of your chedach. You want to have well-behaved children. You want to have kids that are, uh, you know, behaving properly. And then you start practicing the chedach thing. And then you say, oh, I want to see the results. That You're training a human being. Training a human being takes time especially if you mistrained them before. I had a, a, a father come to my yeshiva with his son, who was already needed work. He was not five years old. And the father says to me, so when are you going to, when am I going to see results? When am I going to see my son loving learning and whatever it may be? I told him, I would say probably around three to four years if you back off and let me do my job. You know, and the guy's like, what, three, four years? I said something like that, you know. Last night a, a father came to me and he says, when is my son's haircut going to change? Okay, now first of all, I mean, I don't want to go off topic, but we have to make sure our agendas are also pure and not the self-serving, you know. Maybe it bothers you that your son does, is, doesn't look yeshivish, you know. I don't know if that's the right goal. But the point is, again... That, if that's a real goal, then that goal is going to take a lot of years. Because the person has to feel good about himself. He has to feel like a bentorah. He has to change his whole, uh, you know, self-image. And then the, the, these small things will change, right? So, chinuch is something that takes time. And we have to be comfortable with patience. We have to be comfortable with that, okay? So let's, Go over some of the points that we made last time, 
and then show you a real life scenario where we're going to see how the old way of doing things and the new way of doing things, how they look, okay? So one you say that we said over last time, one principle that we said over last time was the principle that based on the Pasuk, Hanoch Lenar Alpi Darko. That what we, we said was that we are, number one, not focused on the here and now. That's not the focus. The focus is not obedient, well-behaved children at the moment. That's not the focus. The focus is developing a child who could live forward and develop going forward. That's the key thing. We uh, stress the point of the Vilna Gayan that says that sometimes you could have the most obedient kid but really what you are doing to your child by making him obedient and well-behaved, you're actually creating problems within your child for the future. So we, we mentioned something, I'll mention briefly, and I'll show you another type of scenario, okay? So what we spoke about last time is that there is a child that's listening, he's obedient, but the reason why he's behaving is because he's afraid. He's afraid of punishment. He's afraid of the very strong, authoritative figure in his life. So he's afraid, but really he's feeling resentment and he's feeling being controlled and he loses his, uh, he starts to develop a rebellion within himself. And then this very, very well-behaved kid, when he's 18 years old, all of a sudden goes off the handle and nobody can figure out why. He was a perfect kid for 18 years. What happened all of a sudden? So that was building up within himself for a long time. There's another type of scenario that I've unfortunately had to deal with too many times, is that you have a child that is really like the kid that everybody wants. He's the kid that everybody wants. He does everything that you're supposed to do. He's that perfect kid. So... You would think in the Chinuch world, if it's about here and now, that would be like, you got a gift from Hashem, you didn't even have to do the job. It happened by itself. And then again, at 18, 19 years old, this child, all of a sudden, is lost what happened. He never felt that he wanted to do what he was doing. He doesn't have a sense of self. He doesn't even know who he is and what he wants. A human being has to work with Bechira. Bechira means you choose. And he was never given that way of developing himself to choose. He was a robot. Someone else's robot. And then he starts to question, is this religious thing a real thing? Or is it just something that my parents made me do? Scary thing. The guy looks unbelievable. He's sitting on the other side of your table. He's wearing a jacket and a hat. He's known to be an unbelievable boy, and the guy is asking you questions that you would fall off your chair if you hear those questions. Because he never felt like he was choosing anything. He was just someone's robot. So again, I'm just showing you this, that the point is, the here and now doesn't mean that if the here and now is great, so then everything is great. And it also doesn't mean that if the here and now is not great, that you have to try to manipulate and force and enforce behavior like soldier-like behavior, that that's not going to be good. Okay? So, Chinuch, we said, is about 
how to develop a person. Now I'll show you another place that the Rambam says this, and this is not with the force issue. I'm going to show you from another angle. Every angle you see on, see it from, you'll understand it better. The Rambam is going on a Mishnah in Masechet Avot. His Mishnah says, Kol ato kodemet lechokmato. Anybody's fear of Hashem comes prior to his learning. Chokmato mitkayemet. Then his Torah will stay with him. That's what it says in the Mishnah. The Rambam has a very unique way of explaining that. The Rambam explains that if you do not develop your character traits to match the lifestyle of Torah, then ultimately you will reject the lifestyle of Torah because it will be too difficult for you. So let, let's try to understand that a second. If let's say a parent spoiled a child and developed this child to feel always a sense of entitlement and a laziness, or the child develops what we call codependency, which also we have to teach, speak about that, where you didn't give the child a development where they could feel healthy independence and self-confidence. So the parent was always uh, taking charge of the kid's life and didn't let them learn how to deal with their own problems. So they're always codependent. And their parents are always responsible to deal with their issues, right? Codependency. Codependency, laziness, no one ever disciplined them how to control the desires, whatever these different things, right? So now you have this kid who grows up, and now the Torah is all about something totally different. You can't be lazy. It's all about understanding how to use your desires in a proper way. It's all about taking responsibility for yourself, learning how to work on yourself, right? The whole Torah is just the opposite of this kid's neglected childhood, where he wasn't raised properly according to the ideas of Chinuch, and now he can't accept the Torah. He cannot live the way the Torah lives. And unfortunately today there is a a lot of people that are still religious, they're not off the derech, but they have their own, you know, version of it, which... They don't have to break themselves too much because it's too complicated for them. So we have to understand that developing our children's character traits is the key point. Because we want them to be able to later to study and keep the Torah properly. Now, if this is based on this principle, this opens up a whole world for us, which is a fascinating world. Which again was not the scenario we're going to talk about. I just want to mention it briefly. If this is true, that the first step of Chinuch is to develop the child's kohot nefesh we call them, his midot and his kohot nefesh then Chinuch begins from the day of birth. It's not something that comes when they're already learning age. The Sefarim talk about, I'm just going to mention it briefly, but they are classes in themselves. The Sefarim mention that a very interesting thing. This is brought down in, in a few sefarim. A child comes into the world. The first desire that a child encounters in this world is eating. Okay? Now, that means that the first place to make the work of teaching 
self-discipline is in a nursing baby. Because this self-discipline always requires, like I told you before, a choice. Bechira. So the only thing the kid does, this is the only thing the kid does on his own, is that he wants to nurse. That's the only thing he does. Everything else is done for him, to him. He wants to nurse. He wants to eat. Okay? Now, overindulging in eating just because you want it and it tastes good and it's great is not healthy for the development of the child. So you have to hear what the, what the Sefarim is saying, a very deep thing. A mother has a child. She goes to the doctor. The doctor tells her exactly what your child needs to eat in order to be nourished and to have what it needs. This is the feedings. You have to feed X amount, etc., etc. You go for constant checkups. Make sure the kid is not malnourished. Make sure he's getting enough to eat. But everything medically good, exactly. But at the end of the day, the child has a need to suck for the mu- for the muscles of the mouth, and it has a need to eat. So if we would be able to set up, arrange it as follows, that the child will eat when it needs to eat, and you give him a pacifier for the need to suck, then he's getting what he needs, not what he wants. He wants to eat and eat and eat. And you see that every time he cries, the mother just feeds the baby. And then sometimes kids are spitting up because they ate too much. So not only is it not healthy to overfeed your child, but you're also not teaching instinctively, a kid has in his brain, instinctively to know that i only going to eat what I need to eat. And I'll get the need to suck from the pacifier. And the child kind of learns that behavior. And that's discipline. You're disciplining the child to eat when it's necessary to eat. That's what it says in Sefarim. So that's called chinuch. It's a feeding pattern. That's all it is. Now, for you, it's easier to feed them whatever they want because then they get start crying. You know, it's a big pain in the neck. You feed them. Or the mother's maybe... A young mother, and she doesn't know, she thinks maybe the kid is hungry, and she keeps feeding, so these things you all have to learn. But the importance of learning that is to understand that you are training your child with discipline. That's what it is. Because chinuch is the first day. Another thing they talk about in Sefarim is the crying. A child cries. It's like, it's a very important thing for a child to cry, because they have no other way in the world to communicate that they're in pain or they need something and they just need to feel loved and secure and this is a way of crying out, okay? Which is a great thing and a very important thing, okay? For kids to be able to cry and the parents have to soothe them. That's a very important thing for children. Now, the problem is that a child starts to understand, it's an amazing thing how such a young little thing can start to realize that they can get whatever they want when they cry. They can get attention 24-7 and if a parent always is every second running over to that kid and, 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 and reacting in su- as if the world is coming to an end because kids have no control over the volume of their cry. They don't know how to say, oh, for this little pain I cry like this and for a big thing I cry like that. They don't know how to do that. So it all sounds like the world's emergency is happening. And when the parent is always there and overdoing that, what they can do is they develop a child this is says in Sefarim. This is uh, not Yaakov Rari's chidush. Um, it says there that they start to develop a personality where they dominate and they control and they manipulate people around them. They learned that skill from the first year of life. So you see 
that very basic parenting, like mother-baby relationship, nursing, crying, how to do that in a proper way, that's called chinuch. Even though we didn't have one conversation with the kid, that's called chinuch. Chinuch is about the here, it's not about the here and now. Chinuch is about developing this kid and developing this kid that he should grow up to be a proper person who can serve Hashem going forward. Okay, so these are the Yisodot that we mentioned last time, got them a little bit clearer this time. One more Yisod we mentioned last time, which is an offshoot of this Yisod, and again, I want to get that a little clearer, is being that we are developing our children, we need to know them and understand them, because everybody's different, every child's different, and we need to know how to communicate with them, because every person communicates differently, which we'll talk about a little bit today. Really, communications is a class in itself, but we'll talk about it a little bit. And we have to appreciate their weaknesses as well. Okay? That's a very important point. Because most of us have a lot of complaints, you know. And we may go to the teacher or run to a therapist and say, my kid has this problem and that problem. And your kids don't have problems. They have a lot of different layers and beautiful things to them that need to be developed. I remember just as I'm talking here, a story. Years back, my my Rebbe was a great, great Gadol, a great Sadiq. His name was Reb Simcha Shustal. He's the father of the Rosh Hashiva of Lakewood. Great man. He's not, he's not alive anymore. And uh, many years ago, I took him to Avenue J Torah Center. Then it was like not a building. It was like in a house. And um, to spend the day in the community, and he spoke in the shul, and somebody had him in his house, and people came over. So I remember one conversation that sticks out in my mind regarding this conversation here is somebody came to the rabbi, and he's complaining about his kid, and he wants a bit of his kid so wild. He's always jumping off things and flying all over the place, and he breaks his arm because he fell down, and, you know, like... So please give me a beracha that my kid should like be normal, you know, and not get hurt or whatever it is. So before the rabbi gave him beracha, he started talking about, wow, this kid, wow, he's got so much personality, he's going to become a great man. Like all that the father was complaining about, the rabbi was saying like, that's awesome what he has. And then he gave him a beracha, you know, because the point is that even a wild guy says a lot about him and about what his future is going to be like. So we have to learn how to appreciate that. And I want to show you that from one source in the Torah, a very important source in the Torah for us. We know that there's a parasha that talks about Yaakov Avinu giving berachot to his children. So if you look in the pasuk, if you look in the pesukim, you barely see a beracha. He's telling this one, you have this personality, you have this issue. He's not giving berachot. Why is that called berkat Yaakov? Where's the beracha? So the Gaon says already from a pasuk, his bedayik from the pasuk, that after he gave them all this speech of who they are and what they are and what their weaknesses and what their strengths are, then he gave them a beracha accordingly. Which means that, you know, we go to rabbis, we get a beracha, the rabbi says you should be rich and you should be famous and you should be this. I don't know if it's good for you, you know. But he doesn't have that prophecy to know inside your soul what you really need. So it's hard for him to give you a beracha. So he throws the book at you and hopefully the right thing will stick, you know. But, but Yaakov Avinu knew the soul and the, and the personalities of his kids and he understood why each person was in this world and what they needed for 
who they were. That was his beracha. But the question that the rabbis ask is, why do you have to give them that speech before? Yaakov Avinu should just tell the kid, beracha for X, Y, and Z. That's what you need. You, beracha for this, this, and that, because that's what you need. Why do you have to give them the speech before? So Rabbi Yaakov Kamenetsky, says a fascinating point. He says the first things your kids have to know, the first thing is they have to know, number one, you know them. You understand them. You know their strengths, you know their weaknesses. It's very important that they know that you know. You're not out to lunch. You know them. They have to know that you know them. And then number two, that they can be different than their brother and sister or than the neighbor. We have this problem, we're comparing because we're trying to be like that good kid or that well-behaved kid. No, you don't have to be like him. You have to be like you. That's what's important. So that's what Yaakov Kamenetsky says. Very important, you saw it. You have to be you and you have to know that your parents understand you. That's a key point because that's going to take us to the communication part. Because again, this I don't want to talk about adolescence today, and that so yeah, that will be a different thing. That's a higher age. But let's just in the scenario we're going to talk in a minute. But that also requires communication. Communication is very important because let's say just take adolescence just for a second. If if you know adolescents, if you know young adults, and you take a poll and you ask them how many kids communicate with their parents and tell them what's bothering them, what they're dealing with, the answer will be zero percent almost. You understand? Most kids don't talk to anybody. Maybe some of the friends. But they don't talk most don't most don't even talk to anybody. Try to figure it out themselves, search online, do other things, all not good stuff. But they don't open to their parents. Now, why not? Why don't they talk to their parents? So obviously that's a whole suya. But one of the big things is because I don't think my parents will understand. I don't like the reaction that they're going to make. And then, you know, I just see my father getting into that authoritative, you know, adult, mature speech. I don't want to hear that. I'm not interested. My mother, forget about her. She's going to be an emotional wreck. She's going to take out a tehillim and start crying. Definitely do not want that. You know, so... I, there's, there's, you know, they just don't get it. So who am I going to talk to them? They don't get it. They don't understand me. They don't understand my generation. They don't understand nothing. They're going to side with the teacher. Yeah, my mother, the next thing I know, she's going to call 20 rabbis to ask them advice, and then it's going to be public knowledge, and the whole world's going to know about it. Like, all these fears are living within them. That's a bad, bad relationship going on over there. So we have to understand, relationship is a key thing, and learning how to communicate. Because even if we take it down to a lower uh, uh, level, which I'll show you in the scenario we're going to talk about, how communication is in the name of the game. But before we get to the punchline here, I know you're all in suspense, but before we get to the punchline, again, communications, this is a key insight I want you to get, key foundation. How long am I talking for? Huh? I don't want to go too long here. Okay, a little bit more, okay? So let me get you this key thing, a very important thing. You try a certain communication with your kid, sometimes it works. Great. You learn something about your child, you learn what works. However, what doesn't work is equally as important as what does work. 
Because when I tried something and it didn't work, it means I learned something about this person. And for this person can't handle this type of talk and I won't use it again. If you keep doing the same thing over and over and over and over, driving yourself crazy and it doesn't work, it's the wrong thing. I want to tell you something that you see this from Hashem. Hashem is the master of education. Rabbi Rucham Levovitz has a whole piece on that, but I'm not going to go into the whole piece, but one point. HaKadosh Baruch Hu is the master in education. So you know what it says in the Torah? On Rosh Hashanah, you know we say Tashlich. So you say, Mi el kamocha no se avon. What you're reading is over there, the different midot of Hashem. Okay? So one of them is, Lo hechzik la'ad apo. He does not retain his anger forever. Lo hechzik la'ad apo. So what's the understanding in that? Do the rabbis say, it means like this. A person sinned. He was doing averot. Hashem wanted him to change his behavior. So he gave him punishment. He gave him midat hadin. But the guy doesn't get the point. And not only does he not get the point, he gets upset. Why is Hashem picking on me, you know? So instead of taking the message the right way, he's taking it the wrong way. So you know what Hashem does? I'll change my style of working with this kid, this guy. And now I'm going to show him love. Change, change the system. Maybe if I'm a car of him, I'll change. So what Hashem knows from the beginning, you know. But Hashem is teaching us. The point is, we're trying to educate the kid. And if we're trying to educate the kid, we can change our mind. We can change the method. It was wrong. Hashem did method A. Didn't work. Hashem says, okay, method B. Because the bottom line is, it's not about being right. And it's not about, you know, who's in charge here. It's about what works. And then I got to change the method. And unfortunately, you have to know, a lot of me don't get involved in that. Uh, father called me, two parents called me on a conference call the other day. And the father was very strong, authoritative type of guy, you know. Straight, say it how it is. And he had an issue with his son and he wanted to sit down and tell it to him. And he's frustrated that his kid doesn't listen. So I said, listen, I, I hear your points. They're very good points. I said, let me talk to your son and I'll get him to do what we need to do. Because I could talk to him. I know how to talk to him. He will listen to me. All right? But then the father got upset. He says, but I don't understand. I am the father. And he has to listen to his father. And I'm going to sit him down and tell him. I said, listen, it's not about being right. You are not the authoritative figure in his life. We're not going to go into why right now. But that is the fact. It's not about being right and taking it personal that your son is not listening to you. It's about figuring out how to help him. We have to put the midot on the side sometimes. So part of putting the midot on the side is changing the method. Changing the method is different. Some kid needs a lot of love. Some kids cannot handle the communication of this emotional communication. Right? So let's take our scenario for a second. This is going to be our practice. And practice is going to take time. 
It's a very simple scenario. And it happens, I believe, in everybody's house. Anybody has kids. This happens all the time. Okay? So you have two children playing a game. Okay? Comes a third child and starts to kick the pieces around, bother the people playing the game, starts to disrupt the game. Okay? That's, I would say, is a pretty common scenario. Right? You agree? Okay? So two kids are playing. The other guy comes in. Starts making, uh, you know, breaking the game. What happens? The kids that are playing start to scream like crazy. You're in the kitchen trying to cook. You have to cook. You have to make dinner. You have to make supper. You're trying to cook. Now there's a big disturbance there. This guy's attacking the game. These kids are screaming. And you're trying to cook. Okay? So the gut reaction is to come in and scream at the kid that was disturbing the game, maybe throw him in his room, lock him in there and say you're punished, and now you think that you have achieved peace in your home. Because the kids go back to playing the game, the intruder and the troublemaker was handled, and now you have the peace of mind to go back to the kitchen and everything is great. Okay? That's if they listen. I'm saying, you did it. You got it done. That was a great achievement, right? So that's instinctive way of going, okay? Now, that's not chinuchi at all. Why is that not chinuch? Because you didn't teach the boy, let's say he's a boy, uh, or the one who would try to break the game, you didn't teach him how to respect other people's space. You didn't teach him how to deal with anger. Maybe he's frustrated about something. Maybe he's insulted he wasn't included in the game. You didn't teach him anything. You taught him nothing. You just scared him from breaking the game. So at, at best, you just lost a good opportunity to teach him. And at worst, you just got him more resentful and more angry and probably next time will come back with better tactics and more aggressive tactics and nothing's going to work. You didn't teach the kids playing the game anything either. You didn't teach them how to deal with difficult people. You didn't teach them how to try to include other people in their game. You didn't teach them anything. You taught your children absolutely nothing. But it's an instinctive way to go. Because right here, right now, quiet in my house, I got to get to the kitchen do my thing. I taught nobody anything. And this scenario could happen again and again and again and again. And you taught nobody anything. You did not teach your child how to deal with a problem. So you didn't do chinuch. At best, you could get away with it. Because they just went through life without chinuch, okay? But in many, many scenarios, they got worse from it. Because since they never learned how to deal with their own problems, they always need mommy to help them with their problems. So when they get into life and they have problems, they have no idea how to deal with it. They have zero idea how to deal with that. So this is a very simple thing. It just happens every day. But you have to, first of all, control your instincts, you know, number one. Number two, you have to have time. You have to have patience. Chinuch requires something from you, you know. Who has the time and the patience to sit down to the kid? And then you have to know how to talk. When to talk. How to talk. That's a whole different thing. Because if you go to that kid who's you know, breaking up the games all the time. And you start giving him this whole speech, how 
we have to love each other and it's just a family and the guy's like, maybe he won't say it, but he's basically saying, you better shut your mouth quick, you know, I'm getting really agitated from this emotional speech that you're giving, you know. Or if it's very authoritative and very like, you know, not understanding, there's, there's no empathy there. I understand how you feel. I don't understand that. So it takes time, right? It takes time to communicate with that kid. It's, it takes time to hop the kid. Hop means to understand him. It takes time to, to, to figure out how to get through to these people. So there is an investment here. There's two investments here. There's, first of all, you have to change your instincts. When you see such a scenario, you say, aha, right now I have a great opportunity to you to do chinuch, a life, real life scenario. That's chinuch. Chinuch is not giving speeches. Chinuch is taking a regular, real life scenario and just applying the chinuch skills. That cha- that ch- that's a training. That's a thinking training. Because I see the scenario and I say, okay, I have an opportunity here now to teach someone such, such and such a thing. I have another kid I can teach him such and such a I have a training. I have something to do. I have something to apply my chinuch stuff to. So here's a real life scenario. So you have to think like that. Instead of losing yourself or getting angry or flipping out or trying to control the situation, you have something to do. That's very important. And it's going to take time from your life. It's going to take time. Because you have to stop and you have to speak and you have to think. And you can't react right now. Maybe sometimes, you know, I have a rule for myself in my yeshiva that sometimes people, Bachram, do something or Avrechim too. So not only Bachram. Uh, do things that, you know, really can get you upset, you know. I will not deal with it when I'm upset. I'll deal with it tomorrow. Nothing's going to happen overnight. Usually by tomorrow, I can think about it in a different way. And I can think what to say, if I should say, should I let it go? I have a different brain. You understand? So sometimes we're reacting, you know, in a way that we're not able to, 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 to deal with it properly. Sometimes it needs to wait, that conversation. But we have to go back to it in order to make that conversation. Because we're using here chinuch. That's the key thing, the change of chinuch. So just to, to close up, what I'm trying to tell you is like this is a very important thing. What, I, what I'm going to say in the closing remarks is a very important thing. Most human beings, okay, what they think in their brain is what they don't want. They never think about, they always think, I don't want noisy kids, I don't want angry kids, I don't want, you know, kids that don't pay. I don't want, I don't want, I don't want. That's what I don't want. Your brain cannot help you with what you don't want. It's like calling an Uber driver to your house, okay, and the guy comes, or, or, or a taxi, or whatever it is, and he comes to your house, you say, listen, I don't want to go to Lakewood. I, I know for sure I don't want to go there. I'm a deal. I'm not going to Lakewood. I know I'm not, I don't want to go to this place. I don't want to go to that place. So the guy's like, okay, so now tell me where you do want to go, you know? I, I heard all the places you don't want to go. I can't help you. Your brain can't help you not go to where you don't want to go. That means you first have to have a place where you want to go. Then your brain can help you get there. But the problem is, when even when we focus on where we want to go, we want a quiet, peaceful, happy, uh, you know, harmonious home. That's not a, a destination. That's not a destination. But what I, I, I want an endeavor. Oh, the endeavor I want is I want to be able to 
make this chinuch in my kids. That's an endeavor. I'm beginning on an endeavor. So my brain can help me think of scenarios, ideas, methods, how to apply to the endeavor that I'm trying to reach. That's what it is. We today establish that we're starting a path, an endeavor called chinuch. And that endeavor requires changes in the way we think. It requires changes in how we react to certain situations. And that's a slow change because your instincts do not change in one minute. So if you take one scenario, I gave you one scenario that happens all the time. If you take a different scenario, you don't have to take that scenario. But you took one scenario, that's your practice place. That's your place of practice. And you have to think beforehand how it's going to look. Because everybody's children are different. So it's going to look different in everybody. How that's going to look. How would I react? What would I do? I have to play that out beforehand. So then when the scenario comes, I try it. I try it a little bit. I try it once every five times. You can't change overnight. And slowly, slowly, you start to change the way you think. You start to change the way you approach things. And little by little, you'll be successful at what you do. That's the idea. The idea is slow changes, small changes, trying to change your thinking. And it can be small things. doesn't have to be mamish that case. You can say, listen, I have a kid that's a, that's that I have a negative attitude towards. Well, that kid is always destructive, you know. This kid is always aggressive. He's always aggressive. Usually if people are aggressive, rule is they're aggressive because they're frustrated. So maybe you have no clue why your son is frustrated. Maybe that would be a nice place to begin. Why is this kid keep disturbing the game? He's obviously, he's very aggressive. Why is he aggressive? He's frustrated. Why is he frustrated? For what? You know what? And the scary thing is people don't like to ask that question because they might be part of the reason why the guy's frustrated. And that's the answer. They don't want to hear that answer. But that's where you have to face that reality. The point is, we're taking a small scenario that happens all the time. And you can learn your kids through those scenarios. You can learn how to communicate to your kids through those scenarios. You can learn a lot of things from that one simple simple daily occurrence that goes on in your house. And again, the change has to be gradual. The steps have to be slow. And then, as you get it, you'll start to see the results of your kids over time. So that's the message that I want to give you today. I hope this was enlightening. I hope we learned something. And Be'ezat Hashem will have the Siat Nishmai to actually apply this in the real life.